Welcome to the Vince Del Monte Podcast Show, where each week we bring you the raw and real experiences, lessons, and timeless principles every man needs to master the five M's of manhood. By sharing conversations with the world's most successful people pursuing the five M's, you'll build muscle faster, achieve a winner's mindset, increase your money, dominate your mission, and go the distance with your marriage. My name is Vince Del Monte, entrepreneur, author, pro fitness model, and father. And I've helped tens of thousands of men transform their bodies and lives through muscle, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. We are here with NFL Super Bowl champ, 10-time NFL player, Steve Weatherford. What impresses me about this man is not just his athletic accomplishments, but that he is a father, that he's a man of faith, he's an entrepreneur, and he is on the straight and narrow. Steve, welcome to the call today, brother. Dude, it's good to be on here, man. Vince, I've I've, I've known of you uh, for several years, and 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 watching a lot of your your content either on YouTube or Instagram or wherever I stumbled across it, and you keep popping up the things that you were saying. I'm like, I feel like he's talking to me, and I'm not even talking about the faith. I'm talking about how you described yourself to other people. You know, like the skinny sa- the skinny guy savior. Like that's me. You know, like 108 pounds in high school, and and really kind of having the very similar struggles to what you had growing up and the way that you're able to kind of pinpoint the, those pain points mm. and and help people evolve physically and and really touching them in a much deeper way than gaining muscle is you know that's that's what I want to do and that's what I've been doing and um, and I saw how you were doing it and I was like you know what this guy's this guy's a unicorn because there's a lot of beasts and monsters and gorillas and lions out there doing their thing making money but how many unicorns are there you know what do you mean by unicorn are you talking about how i talk about more than just muscle it's not necessarily the muscles or the six-pack or getting the chicks or Mm. making the money unicorns are unique they're they're an anomaly you don't see them ever are they really real am i doing a podcast with one of them right now Let's find out. <laughs> I love it, man. Let's just go back in time a bit. We're going to go all over the map here. Uh, just for all of our listeners here, we're hanging out today in Chino Hills at the Empire Mastermind. We have a number of common friends, common friends, common mentors. And, uh, you know, what was the first time uh, we linked up? It was a pretty, I want to tell the story. We we actually linked up in uh, a Jason Capitals event. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we uh, linked up for a workout. We went to... Uh, 24-hour fitness, and I knew of you. I had heard of you from uh, uh, Lewis House. He talked a lot about you and heard Steve Cook talk about you, and I started seeing pictures of you. I'm like, man, this dude is freaking jacked. This guy is huge, larger than life. And what I really- use like 17 filters in the pictures <laughs> you're talking about. Come on, man. No, I've been with you, man. You don't need filters. <laughs> and I uh, was anticipating our workout, and uh, you rolled up in your uh, Land Rover and uh, you jumped out of the car, like literally jumped out of the car like Superman. And immediately I just like stood up taller. I'm like, man, I got to level. I got to size up here quickly. And you just had a very, very commanding presence, commanding personality, super warm, uh, just fully, fully present in the moment. And we went to do, uh, of course, an arm workout. 
<laughs> of course. <laughs> of well, course. If it ends in if it ends in Y, that's the day I train arms. <laughs> <laughs> right. So uh, we we hit the gym, and uh, what I didn't know about you is that you used to have small arms, and. Man, I have been cursed with small arms. I now look at it as a blessing. I can explain that later. But I want to talk about how is your how are your small arms a blessing? Um, you know, a lot of guys like, would be like, "No, man, I wish I had his arms." No, it's the worst thing ever. Spin it for us. For for me, it's I'm always looking for something I can gain that will allow me to impact more people um and so i don't want to i don't want to make this sound like uh, a mother Teresa crusade to get bigger arms so i could reach more people on social media that's that's not necessarily what i mean is the more eye-catching or impressive i am able to build my physique is not necessarily the more credibility but it's the the more it's really almost it's it's hard to explain it's you grab people's attention when you walk into a room and it, it's not just the big arms let's say somebody walks into a room that's extremely fit and i'm not talking about like a 300 pound bodybuilder i'm it could be a 170 pound person i currently am 235 pounds but when somebody walks into a room and and they're very well put together they're dressed well um and they they walk in and their their posture you can tell they have confidence and in addition to that, they are physically developed. When somebody's very fit, you can instantly tell several things about them. You can tell that they're goal-oriented. Goal you can tell that they're consistent. You can tell that they're willing to make sacrifices. You can tell that they're willing to work hard. And so that's one of the many reasons that I love to be, um, you know, kind of a five-percenter fit. You know, there's five percent of people I feel like are kind of like in the category of being elite fit. And that category tells my story before I open my mouth. Like people don't need to know about my NFL career. People don't need to know about any of the other things that I've done in my life. When I walk into a room and you walk into a room, like as you said, like a commanding presence, I don't necessarily try to do that anymore. It's become a habit to, to walk into a room and look at people in the eyes and, and give them a big warm hug and, and ask them how they're doing. Because when I walk into a room and you're kind of a little bit physically imposing, it can be a tad bit intimidating, even if somebody is the same size as me, mm. but they're really, really fit. And let's say I'm not as fit. It's a little bit intimidating because mm. you're like, man, there's there's something about this person that made them look like this. And it's all the, the character traits and, and life habits that help them to look like that because you can't – that's one thing you can't use currency – to purchase right all the money in the world can't make you look a certain way you have to earn it and that's one thing about fitness that i love is you always 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 get what you put into it hmm. you know and that's there's so many things in life that are that are not that way a marriage is not that way if relationships not, are not yeah. that way they're not always even it's not yeah. always fair right you know, you're, you're going to go through rough patches of your life where your wife is going to put so much more into the relationship mm. than you are. Mm. And then there's going to be periods of time that you're, it's going to be flip-flop. Gotcha. Fitness isn't that way. When, when you go all in and you're disciplined and, and you don't cheat your diet and you don't cheat your reps, oh. your body will reflect that. And that's why I have really, really embraced 
being fit as a lifestyle versus something I need to do to compete at the highest level in the National Football League. Give me an example of how muscles opened a door for you recently. An opportunity maybe, I mean, a conversation. Every, every single day. Every single day. People yeah. look at you different. Uh-huh. Um, all the way down to the gas station. I go into the gas station today to, to buy a protein shake before I came up here uh, to do Jason Phillips' uh, mm-hmm. podcast this morning. And people want to ask you questions. Mm-hmm. Usually a gas station attendant's not going to ask you mm-hmm. any questions. You know, it, the, the questions that you get when you're, you're, you're really well put together, and mm-hmm. I'm not just talking about muscles. I'm talking about when you take pride in your appearance and also pride in the way that you speak to people and look them in the eye. People want to know, like, what mm-hmm. makes this guy tick? Like, what do you do? Are, mm-hmm. are you from around here? Right. You know what I mean? Like, like they want to know questions. So it opens up a lot of doors for me. It could be a door for the 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 person running the register at the gas station. Right. That breaks the ice for me. I didn't even have to open my mouth. Right. I just walked in there with a the T-shirt on, and she started asking me questions. Yeah. Because my whole mission in life is to impact other people, and being fit breaks the ice for me now granted it does intimidate people a little bit but when you look at when you when you, they're a little bit intimidated and they look you in the face and they're almost kind of scared to make eye contact <laughs> but then you smile real big at them yeah. hey how are you how are you doing this morning yeah you know what give me two of those protein shakes yeah you know is our protein shakes the key to, to to building your body like yours well you know it's a, it's a whole lot more than that but you know, protein's part of it, but honestly, it's just about the consistency of, of having a goal in your life and waking up every single day and, and working on that goal. Hmm. You know what? I had a micro conversation with that cashier this morning um, buying those protein shakes, and you know what? Who knows if that micro conversation that I had with her right. impacts her life, and she's, she thinks to herself, you know what? I haven't really worked on any goals in a really long time. Hmm. I'm going to go home and... and I'm gonna pick up that thing that I wanted to do two years ago. You're almost you have no in. idea the ripple effect, the butterfly effect that you can have in the world yep. when you put yourself in the right position by showing kindness. Because nobody talks to a gas station cashier. Yeah, like to them, there it's almost like a machine. You swipe your card, you give them your items, blah blah blah. You're out the door. That people don't even look at you to say hi. That's funny. Yeah. You know, another interesting thing is you're almost like a silent accountability partner. <laughs> you're almost like convicting people si- silently. I remember, it you could know, be. it depends on how it depends on how the person perceives that conversation. So let's, let, let's because well, they could take it as, man, I'll, I'll never be able to achieve a, a goal like that. Or they could or they could be like, well, I don't want to look like that mm. guy. But you know what? The relationship with my dad's really been bothering me. I'm going to make that my goal. And I'm consistently, every day that I wake up, I'm going to text my dad. Hey, dad, good morning. I just want you to know I'm thinking about you. And remember this one time we did this and make uh-huh. that a habit for 30 days, waking up and text messaging your dad. And you know what? If your dad's resistant to that after 30 days, he's going to start to feel bad that right. he's not replying to your text <laughs> message. Yeah, you're gonna you know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. Just like it, it doesn't matter how you apply that motivation, but being fit and showing kindness to that person could have a ripple effect to her and then on her family and from that family to the community and from that community to the city, the city, the state. You have no idea a small micro conversation that you had with a cashier could end up 
so changing what, the world. So, Steve, what you're talking about is a concept I call you've built mu- life-changing muscle, not just self-serving muscle. You're using your muscle. You're yeah, using your physique. The same way I'm, I use the NFL. I don't even like football. You know, I have a Super Bowl ring, and, and, you know, I was super fortunate enough to find financial freedom through playing a child's game. And I wasn't in love with the game, but I knew that if I utilized hmm. how everybody viewed the NFL and being a pro athlete, if I used that to show them just because you're a professional athlete doesn't mean you were born differently. Hmm. I love to show people pictures of me when I was 14, 16, yeah. 19, 22, 24, 25, 35, because people can see my progression and physically see that when I was born and I started high school, not only was I the same as everybody else, I was skinnier than everybody else. So how does a guy at 14 years old and the skinniest kid in his class of 250 people, like I was skinnier than most of the girls, how does a guy like that go from being the skinniest person in his high school in the middle of nowhere in Indiana to the cover of Muscle and Fitness and Muscle and Fitness naming him the fittest man in the National Football League. I'm not saying these things to boast, Mm -hmm. but when I show pictures to people like that, it resonates with them. It makes big lofty goals seem feasible. So so you said you didn't even like uh, NFL football, and I want to just share something. When I was a runner, did you ever do long-distance running? Yeah. (laughs) It's painful. Oh, yeah. It's extremely uncomfortable. I'll tell you a good story. and, And so I grew up... In an endurance family, so I competed at the provincial level, national level, world level for triathlon, for endurance athletes, or sort of for uh, cross country running and that. And I didn't like it, but I did it because I knew it was creating a new man. So my question for you is: Do you feel like the NFL football was a stepping stone to getting you what you really wanted in well, more the later stages? It was, it was. Did you my... see it as a stepping stone at the time, or did yeah, you just more discover course. it after? Yeah, I mean, uh, at first. At 14 years old, the the four goals that I had for my life is the first one that's kind of douchey, but it it was my goal. I wanted to be on the cover of the magazine that started my fitness obsession, and that was Muscle and Fitness. I remember seeing my first magazine in the dentist's office when I was 14 years old, and I stole it. (laughs) And because we didn't have, man, when we were kids, there was no bodybuilding.com. There wasn't, you couldn't slide up in Vince Del Monte's DM and ask for help. You, there was no there was no one out there to help someone like me. I was 14 years old. I couldn't afford a personal trainer. Uh, I lived in Indiana. So really the only resource that I had at my disposal was trying to find somebody who had accomplished what I want to accomplish. And essentially I wanted to get bigger, faster, stronger. I couldn't get the pro athletes. And so I'm in Terre Haute, Indiana, and I find the biggest guy in the gym. Mm-hmm. I figure out what day and what time he usually comes into the gym and I hide in the corner. It wasn't hard. I would hide, I would hide behind a barbell and it would pretty much cover me up and, and I would watch them. And when they would, would leave the machine, I would go over there and I knew exactly how many sets and reps and what the angle was. And so I literally learned from standing in a corner. Amazing. Um, but that like, it was a lot harder to, to achieve what you and I have achieved back then. So when people, you know, they make the excuse or they complain that, well, of course I could look like that if I was a professional athlete. I'm like, hey friend, go look at my Instagram from last Thursday. I put a little throwback Thursday up there uh, and I was 140 pounds 
Mm. You know, I'm not a muscular person. You know, I needed the skinny guy savior when I was 14. I had no resources. Right. So I want to be to other people what I needed at that time. Gotcha. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you're that now. Um, going back though, were, were, what was driving you? Was, were you always driven or was there an event or a person or did somebody say something to you that triggered the drive or were you trying to figure out what your identity was and you saw, hey, I'm good yeah, at this? I, I had no identity. I, I knew I was an athlete. When did you when did you acquire your, your athletic identity? Were you, you know, like I, I'm, I, I didn't I didn't talk about my other three goals from high school. Okay, and that will take me into okay. what you want to talk about. So my first goal was Muscle and Fitness Magazine cover. Right. Um, my second goal was I had wonderful parents. I had a great relationship with my dad. He was my coach from age four until I left for college. Hmm. And I just wanted to be a dad, man. I wanted to I wanted to get married. And I want to have my own family because I wanted to do for my children what my dad had done for me because I remember when he would do things and I would be like so you always knew you're going to be a family man oh yeah awesome oh, yeah. okay so obviously I've achieved that I just had my <laughs> fifth child 11 Dude, days ago you're my hero man <laughs> you're my hero um so that was my second goal my third goal is I wanted to be a, a, a an Olympic champion because I was a track guy as well um I didn't achieve that goal but I did become a world champion um, by winning the Super Bowl right. with the New York Giants in 2011 and 12. So in my mind, I've achieved all three of those. Um, but the, the funniest thing, and then the fourth goal was become a pro athlete. So all of those goals, you would think becoming a world champion, like that's a pretty big goal. Becoming a pro athlete, that's a pretty big goal. You know, becoming a dad, that's, that's pretty easy getting on the cover of muscle and fitness eh, it could happen i became a world champion i became financially stable i did all those things and the last goal that i had to achieve on that goal list from 14 years old was be on the cover of muscle and fitness a lot of grind a lot of disappointments a lot of sacrifices but i achieved that goal uh, about two months ago uh, the November issue of, of 2017. Yeah, dude, you look and insane, man. <laughs> that was, that was to me, I'm much more proud of that than I am th my Super Bowl ring because that was a tw almost a 21-year goal, and I never lost sight of it. Huh. That's a long time to, That's amazing. to really be motivated for that. So, so why did you, um, maybe we can go back a bit. So you had these three goals driving you. Uh, I, I still want to kind of hear a bit more about like what was driving you? Like why were you so driven? Was it to really acquire or was God it? God gave me that. You had that drive. I think God, God gave me, it's a, it's a gift and a curse though because uh -huh. he gave me uh, an obsessive, addictive behavior. Yep. And so when I was in high school, it was, athletics and sports and then i i earned a college scholarship and and i ran track i was a decathlete and i played football in college and i never lost sight of wanting to become a pro athlete but along that pursuit to becoming a pro athlete my my commitment to the weight room my commitment to to mastering my craft that never wavered but i added another addiction or vice and that was manipulating women and partying and not necessarily drugs but man i i drink a lot in college and um that was a pretty dark time for me so so you were driven you were acquiring new things um i'm addicted to winning like as as arrogant as that sounds 
I, I think that's like you keep asking me like what drives you and to be honest with you I don't really have a good answer for you I just know I, I can't sleep at night unless I I'm winning you feel do you feel like it was like because in athletics was it because your your success on the field is measured by your performance yeah and and now, it's black and white too right you know there's not like well I thought I had a good the, game the, and then your coach is like you play like crap bro so, so you're in this you're in this athletic world where your success is measured by your performance on the field, and now you exit the NFL. Now you're in the real world. How has that transition been with now winning? Like when it's, is that? I'm still not in the real world though. You know, I'm like I, 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 I teach people how to be happy. But now like you're people not, think I'd no, sell no, training there's programs. There's no scorecard now. So how's that transition into now? Now you're you're an entrepreneur. You're helping guys build their bodies, men and women build their bodies, but you still have this competitive competitiveness. Winning to me how do you manage it? What's how's it defined now? How's winning? Winning to me now is is measured differently. That's what I want to know. How what's more? What's your definition of winning success now as a father, five kids, entrepreneur, NFL's behind you? What's your new definition of winning? That's a big question. Whether whether or not I'm moving closer to to my lifetime legacy, you know, Let's talk like about I don't that, want yeah. my lifetime legacy to be athletic achievements because although those are those are really cool, those don't tell a story of of who I am. Like the story of you know, 14 years old to, to where I am now, that that's a story. You know, that's that's something that I'm, I'm very, very proud of. And that's something that just about every podcast I go on, I share that because it's such a big part of my journey. And it's such a big part of what anchors me and what I look back on when I'm kind of like sometimes catch myself meandering through life and wondering what I'm doing. Or, you know, like I want to I want to achieve this, but I don't know the way to get there. I I check myself and I stop looking for the way and I start to try to identify my why. So forget the way. Find your why because your why will t- will give you the way. Gotcha. So what's your why now? Would you say impact? Like impact. Impact. And, and I don't care if that's now, physically, it, mentally, have, spiritually, emotionally. Is it and now is it impact to all ends or do you have some boundaries around certain things like impact but as long as this doesn't get compromised in the process what are your boundaries? well yeah, yeah. Impact I mean, but impact doesn't have to be business related impact doesn't have to be marriage related impact doesn't have to be parentally um gauged impact is with the breath that god gave me today did i change how somebody viewed things did i change how somebody did things did i change how someone felt about themselves you know before i even before i even like technically got to work today i know for a fact that that cashier at the gas station i changed how she felt about herself because i acknowledged that she existed and that's not like oh i'm a celebrity and and i acknowledge somebody no that's not what i'm trying to get across what i'm trying to get across is Nobody acknowledges her. Like, nobody says hello and asks her how she's doing. Right. And I took the time to do that today. And I know for a fact, if I do nothing else today, 6 a.m. Mm. this morning, I changed how that cashier felt about herself. 
That's beautiful. So what I'm really feeling, and I think this is why we connected right away, is that you're really, you don't treat people as projects. You treat people as people. And when you're building your your name and your business, and in the process, you better be impacting people and read and be reading uh, responses. I mean, yesterday I know you had a, a workout, uh, a spur of the moment workout yeah. at LA Fitness or at 24 Hour Fitness, and you had a ton of guys show up. And I know that like your eyes light up. I watch your Insta story. I watch your eyes light up when you see guys show up because and you put them on the camera. You want them to say, "Hey." You want them to feel good about themselves, and I think, I think that's like one of the best parts about this, because you get to hear the stories and you get to hear the impact, and you're elevating these guys' self-esteem and getting them to start asking, "Hmm, how can I use my fitness to impact others?" Just like Steve's using his platform. But I want it to be even bigger than that, though. Okay. Because some of the people that met me at the gym last night, I think we had like maybe ten guys, and just to tell the listeners the stories. I drove from Encinitas, California, which is where I'm living now. Um, drove about an hour north to Chino Hills, California. I parked my truck, and as I was walking in to Fit Body Boot Camp HQ for the mastermind with you guys, I got on Snapchat. I said, hey, everybody, I'm in Chino Hills, California. If anybody's in, you know, in the vicinity or in Chino Hills, I'm going to work out at 8 p.m. at this gym later today. If you guys can make it, bring a buddy. You know, let, let's get it in. And, you know, I didn't talk about it the rest of the day on social media because I was in the mastermind. And and I showed up, and I didn't know if one person was going to show up or it was going to be 100. Yeah. I had no idea what to expect because I don't, I don't do that all the time. Uh-huh. Because there's a lot of the times when I go into the weight room, that is my only quiet time. That's my only time to, to really put my headphones on and, and honestly just, like, let my mind drift and connect with the weights. Because I genuinely, like, I really, really enjoy – putting myself in an uncomfortable place like a gym and, and pushing yourself past what you're you feel like you're physically capable of because I feel like I get mentally stronger every time I do that you come to the point where it's you know technique failure or muscle failure and you either get one more rep or you know you have a workout partner that'll help you partner assisted get three or four more reps and you go past what your body's capable of but men, like my muscles might grow and they might get stronger, but mentally I go to the point of excruciating pain. And I'm not talking about like 700 pound squat just for the listeners. I'm talking about, you know, I might be doing cable curls and I get to my 12th rep and I can't do anymore. And then my partner comes in and helps me get a, another three, three repetitions. Those three repetitions hurt so much, mm. but those are the three repetitions. They're going to make you grow mentally and physically so that's why i love the weight room that's why i love fitness and um so like every single day i feel like i have an opportunity to grow as a person to continue to manipulate the the structure and the function and the performance of my body and i can impact people in a million different ways and sometimes they don't even know they're being impacted and sometimes until i told you that story I didn't even realize I impacted the the cashier, right. but it was just like for whatever reason that, that yeah. popped into my head because it happened this morning. All right, I want to close the loop. We were touching about the NFL, and uh, you were in there for ten years. Mm-hmm. Won a Super Bowl. How many Super Bowl? A couple just Super one. Bowls. No, one just Super one. Bowl. So you just won a Super Bowl. You could have kept going, right? You were pretty. I young. mean, dude, it's one. I was the best in the world for a year. To come on, isn't that good enough? And then, <laughs> but wait, wait, you you could have kept going though. Like you weren't. Yeah, yeah. You weren't like I just. But you, but you quit. 
Uh, not like you, you, you not. I don't know if the quit. I say, I emphasize that as if you gave up. No, no, no. You, you walked away. I did. I quit. And, and I want to know um, the story about. Um, there was an event, I believe, that triggered um, this. Like, what's really important, maybe in life, yeah. and, and you, and that was when you walked away. It revealed a why. And I think this will be really impactful for people listening who may be on a pursuit with, you know, maybe it's athleticism or sports or bodybuilding and. Maybe it's coming near to the end, and and what it, and this was the sign for you. So I'd love for you to tell us what that event was, but then maybe some words of caution to like people who might be trying to push something where it's not meant to go any further, and there's actually a bigger play, bigger opportunity afterwards, mm-hmm. and how to how to recognize it and pivot before maybe. Um, well, let's. let's well, I'll, I'll I'll start by saying this. Um, you know, we haven't spent a ton of time together, but you know, I've I've followed your social media and you're one of the the few guys that is in person what they portray on social media um and that's always kind of like my tentative hesitation to reach out to people on social media when i don't speak to somebody that they know that kind of puts a stamp of they're a good person um but anyway thank you the reason that i feel like you and i vibe so well is our deeper than our motivations like our our moral fiber is it's debilitating you know like when i when i on purpose do something that i i know i shouldn't have done it could be cheating at monopoly or it could be cheating on my wife you know it eats me up inside you know, when I do something that I, and I'm not saying, just so you know, babe, if you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> I've never cheated on you. I'm not planning on it, but I, I just know we'll that, I, that in the show if I ever, I ever did anything <laughs> like that, because you can't like accidentally cheat on your wife. No. There's, there's <laughs> steps that you have yeah, to go to in order well, for that to happen. cheated on her if it you starts have to make in the, several bad decisions I mean, before where that. Where we come from, our standards are way <laughs> higher than actually cheating on your wife. The cheating happens if it starts in, right. the, if it starts in the mind. So that was a bad uh, example. <laughs> Um, but we all, we understood it's, it's the moral fiber of what like drives us. So you're motivated by providing for your family and growing your business and leaving a legacy and, and, and showing your children what a man is instead of telling them because you have a, you have a son, Luca. Yeah. You have a son, John. I love that name. John Luca. You can tell him what a man is every single day until he's 18 years old he's got a 50 50 chance of knowing what a man is when he turns 18 years old but if you never tell him what a man is and you you live how you want him to live every single day until he's 18 years old you don't have to say anything because kids are always going to do what you do they're not always going to do what you say right on And, and and i am i am the prime example of if you tell me what to do I am going to do the complete opposite because I got to learn. I got to learn the lesson for myself. So I've got a lot of mental and physical scars because I didn't take people's advice. And I think that's probably the biggest difference in between where I was at 18, 25 and 35 is I'm, I'm so much more competent, but infinitely more humble. So I'm, I'm confident enough to execute and prepare but I'm also humble enough to reach out to somebody like you or Bedros or anybody else who's been doing it longer, been doing it better and having a bigger impact. And I'll be like, Hey, 
could you teach me something? Yeah, that's beautiful. You know, that's that 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 is humility. But I think without the humility, you you cannot learn and grow. Right. You know the definition of humility? It's not thinking less about yourself, but thinking less of yourself. Yeah. And, and that's really like. And when you have a family, like you, you better you better do that, or else it's not going to uh, stick around. That was around. a lesson so, for me to learn too, because being a pro athlete, that's a. I don't want to say it's a selfish industry, but in order for you to become the best in the world at anything, whether that's public speaking or you're a CEO or you're a teacher, whatever it is, if you want to become the best walking the planet at that, you have to have a degree of selfishness. And and it took me, and innately I am selfish, but it took me a while to be able to to be okay embracing that. And that's one of the reasons that, that I became a professional athlete because I was selfish for my goals, and in order for, to to achieve those goals, you 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 have to make yourself first. But I think the greatest parents and the greatest leaders they make themselves number one. Because how can you be and show John Luca what a man is, what a husband is, what a provider is, if you don't show him? Because the way that you show him is by making yourself number one and creating a better version of yourself every single day that you wake up. Because if you become the best person, the, the best version of yourself, you're gonna be a better dad, you're gonna be a better father, or you're gonna be a better husband, you're gonna be a better provider, you're gonna be a better person. But you cannot grow and evolve and improve if you don't make yourself number one. Yeah, and I think it's really important just to clarify this. When, when we're saying become number one, we're not just talking about kicking everybody to the curb in the process. Uh, you become, make yourself number one? Becoming number one. To be the best for everybody else. Right, yeah. becoming and, 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 that, and if you're in a relationship, that requires what number one means to the other person because uh, those other people will have needs and they will have they will define what number one is for you as but well. But you'll so, better serve their needs yeah. if you improve yourself. Yeah, as, as long as, um, yeah, exactly. So you need to improve yourself. As long as it's, I guess what I'm trying to say is, as long as it doesn't go to the point where you're good enough and you're trying to go further for yourself, but now it's hurting others. What's, that, well, I, I don't know if I'm going to agree with that or ask the question, explain a little deeper. So... Because I'm not speaking no, no, from, from an expert. I, 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 yeah. I want to learn a little bit if there's something I don't know. Yeah, so what I'm saying is that us men are driven to be number one absolutely. But at what cost? To become number one involves— There's always a cost. There's always a price, right? To achieve something, there's always a price. So all I'm saying is that as long as the price to become number one doesn't kick, doesn't kick other people to the curb, unless your values don't involve— uh, how other people in your life see you or relate to you or um, if people are going to judge me even if they're my family members if they're going to judge me based upon like what they see are are they really are they do they really belong in my top five you know what I mean it's a question you could ask yourself I mean because I I'm I'm literally right now I've never had a worse relationship with my dad you know like like after the the mastermind is over today mm -hmm. I'm, I told my dad I'm going to call him this afternoon, and I haven't talked to my dad on the phone in a year, hmm. you know. But it's en enough is enough for me, and, and I'm not saying it's his fault. It's my fault. I've tried to do this a few times in the last 12 months, and it's always been met with resistance. Hmm. 
but I'm gonna give it another shot. You know what I mean? And I'm gonna keep giving it another shot because I, I understand. Yeah. Regardless if I'm a man now and I'm a dad now, and I don't need my dad. You know, I'm financially free. Da 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 da. Boys need their dad. Absolutely. Girls need their dad. Yeah. And I don't care if if he's not a person I can call and ask for advice. That's my dad. Of course. You, know, you only get one of them. Yeah. Well, I admire that. I respect that. Yeah, that's that's a relationship. Every relationship is worth pursuing, uh, and that's definitely you know one worth putting the work in. If yeah. you will, just like building a body part, it requires extra work. Relationships require and extra work. And some body work. parts require and, 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 longer to develop. And, and, exactly. Some body parts are lagging. Uh, some body parts have lacked attention. So that's what that's all I'm saying. Um, I have been – so what? let me try and share a story with you and just to really clarify what I was trying to say about the number one piece is I have, I have said that <clears throat> I'm trying to be the best. I'm trying to be number one. Um, and I'm doing this for us. Uh, I'll, you know, I'll give you the wife example. So, Vince, you're working too much. We need you. We need you in the house. Uh, the kids need more of your attention. But I need to provide. I need to continue to do this. And my wife called me out the other day. She said, Vince, you'd be working just this hard without us. Mm. You're doing this for you. Don't fool. Don't kid us, you know. I understand you're a hard worker and you love us and you love the kids. I'm not saying that at all, but you would be working just as hard with us or without us. If and I didn't have a family, I'd be working harder. Yeah. And, and I work and, and I that, work harder than anybody else. So I that's know. all I'm saying is like there there'll come a point where you're at a certain season of your life where be, you're going to have to just really clearly define what number 1 looks like for you because if number 1 looks like the same thing as what it did when you were single out on the field or when you were pursuing maybe one thing, one dimensional, one focus without anybody else in the picture. That's one thing. But then when other people come into the picture, um, there's other people at stake. Um, so I think all I'm saying is that number one has to be defined based on the season season of life you're in mm. and, and who's in your life at that time and it might defining the best version of yourself may look different at different seasons of life yeah based the, on the best version of yourself doesn't mean six-pack abs yeah it means healthy that's what i'm saying like the best version of yourself um pursuing number one um is gonna look a little different um i might think you're number one when you're like when you just did your recent update and you took two weeks off i'm like that's Steve living at his number one right. when he's taken two weeks off of social media and disconnected. So I guess it's like really important. To I wasn't disconnected. I was reconnected. You're reconnected. You know what I mean? Disconnected or reconnected. Right. Yeah, exactly. And um, I just think it's really important to always ensure you know who's defining what's number one. And and to consider the people in your life because, you know, you and I, we know people who aren't going to go the distance with their health. They're not going to go the distance in their business. They're not going to go the distance in their marriage because they're defining number one by maybe what the world defines as number one. And we all get stuck into and, that. And we get stuck that's not, that's not judging them. I'm that's just saying, no, I know you're not, but I'm just saying like for the people that are listening, like this is not, um, this is not Vince or, or myself saying, your number one's different than than my number one or Vince's number one and and you're wrong. I think it's making sure that your number one is going to make all of the other numbers underneath you better. So Mm. can you tell me one thing that you can put at number one 
that will improve every single it doesn't matter what you put underneath that that one thing can you tell me one thing that's going to make everything else underneath it better for me yes yeah for me one word one word maintaining my identity and my faith yeah main not forgetting that i'm still i still have significance because of who i am in my relationship for you it's you because if you take time for you what makes you a better you time in prayer Hmm. time in church surround yourself by good people time in the gym time for nutrition time for sleep that's you all those things are you when i say you that doesn't mean man it's been a rough week you know what i'm gonna go get i'm gonna go get a massage that might be part of number one because that was part of my number one when I was playing football because a massage helps me perform better. But what I'm, but I, what I really, really want to take away for for the people listening to this right now is if you make you number one, everything that's underneath that, regardless if it's a business, regardless if it's the relationship with your neighbor, regardless if it's how you handle adversity. When you take time for you, you are going to give yourself the greatest percentage chance to overcome adversity, to to repair the relationship with your neighbor, to repair the relationship with your dad, to, you know what, identify something about your, your business that you haven't noticed over the last year, and it's been retarding your growth. But you took time for you, and that put your mind into a state of, relaxation so you could take the blinders off and so you could identify the thing that had been staring you in the face that was stopping you from impacting more people and it all started with taking time for you yeah i think i I can agree with what you're saying i I feel like as as long as the you you're pursuing is in context to also serving others and i feel that's what you're saying as long as the you to me lifting weights me taking time to lift weights is serving other people right okay great because so i'll snapchat as, it yeah and share great. the whole workout that's great so i think that's what we're really both trying to ensure we're on the same page on that as long as the you that you're pursuing is in context to also improving the self-betterment of others i'm all for that well it's just it's like you take time for you so that you can be what, better for other people but the decision of how you use the best you Gotcha. That's, that's entire. Story. That's gotcha. entirely up to right. you. That's beautiful. Yeah, that's a beautiful. Uh, that's great, man. Uh, because that's what happens, and that's what I'm trying to. You know, that's this is this is the importance of this conversation here because people hear this, and sometimes they just hear pursue more, you for just the sake of like falling more in love with yourself, but that doesn't do the world <laughs> any good. I think it's good to fall in love with yourself. You know what I mean? To the point no, where no, you're no. in my, to your, you're looking at yourself in the Dude, mirror. It's, it's, it's like, degrees it's like, of it. Like, if, are you so in love with yourself that you don't have time to love other people? <laughs> you know, I know exactly what you were saying, um, but I just want to, I want to make sure that people listening to this aren't like, well, I thought loving yourself was important. You know what I mean? Well, absolutely. You got to find those disciplines and you um, can't give love to other people if you don't, if you don't have it first. So, so maybe let's talk about some of those disciplines in your personal life that are foundational to that betterment of your, of yourself, uh, that consequently serve other people. So just some of your daily disciplines, some of the things that we wouldn't get to see on Snapchat, some of the things that you do privately, you know, my definition of character is who you are when no one's looking. 
right? So that's uh, we live in a world of image management where everybody's concerned with what people see, especially on social media. Right, when, when you're you're pretty much running your business. But to look like you and to do what you're doing, there's cl- cl- clearly things going on behind the scenes that we can't see. So maybe one or two private disciplines that make you who you are. And Posi- you positive self-talk. Yeah, positive self-talk. Cool. Like I think I think one of the things that I I give two really simple things that everybody listening to this can implement into their life with zero time invested to learn how to do it. And one thing that I do, and if, if anybody um, coincidentally is listening to this that also follows me on social media, they'll know that every single morning at 6 a.m., I share a morning motivation. Mm, Actually, I'm lying to you. It goes up at midnight before I go to bed, but then I automate it to be shared at 6 a.m. Um, and so I write it before I go to sleep and my morning motivation obviously changes every day. It could be a quote that somebody else said that resonates with me and then I'll write the quote and then maybe a little, like very small little blurb underneath it on how it could apply to somebody who's reading that. Um, and the reason that I write that the night before I go to sleep is I write it and then I read it out loud to myself because think about when you were a kid and you watch a scary movie more than likely you're going to go to sleep and you're going to have a scary dream. So it's utilizing your body's ability to subconsciously manifest something. So I'm subconsciously manifesting my motivation for the next morning. So when I go to sleep, I give my body five to seven hours to manifest on what my motivation for the next day is. And that's one routine that I think people can get into either my morning motivation or make it more personal to yourself. Take five minutes and think about what your morning motivation is for tomorrow. It doesn't have to be a quote. It doesn't have to be a beautiful, eloquent, written essay. Put your heart on the paper of what you want to get done tomorrow. And it's not a to-do list. It's a motivation. Hmm. So that's one thing. Um, And then the other thing, man, I thought about it. What was it? Oh, so after I I read that again in the morning, because I always leave that notepad next to the bathroom sink. And so I grab my toothbrush. And while I'm brushing my teeth with my Oral-B electric toothbrush, I don't have to move (laughs) my arm around too much. (laughs) And I read the quote. You know, my toothbrush goes for two minutes. So I don't read so fast. I might be able to read through it four times. But I'm reinforcing the manifestation subconsciously of what I've been doing for the last six hours and then it and then I take off and and I get into my car and that's when I positive self-talk because I know what my schedule was for the day I'll go through my schedule and if somebody's riding with me and they've never ridden with me first thing in the morning they're probably a little weirded out because I'm talking myself positive self-talking myself through the perfect day Man, I'm about to go to this meeting at 9 o'clock. I've got this podcast. I am going to go on this podcast, and I am going to deliver the thunder. I am going to impact somebody on such an emotionally deep level. I'm going to change their life with the one hour of my time that I invested into that podcast. From there, I'm going to go to the gym. I'm going to hit legs. I'm gonna, I am going to go in there. I'm going to get a great stretch. I'm going to go in the sauna. I'm going to give everything I have to that 60 minutes that I'm investing into the gym. And then just the rest of the things you have planned for the day. Talk about the best case scenario for every single thing that you have. 
And then when you actually get into the situation of doing the podcast, going mm. to the gym, going on date night with your daughter, whatever mm. it is, mm. the percentage chances of the manifestations of that positive talk that happened six hours ago or six minutes ago, when you're positive self-talking it, you're seeing it happen in your mind. Mm -hmm. You're visualizing perfection. It's never going to go exactly as you planned. It might even go better. You, you might not even know what a perfect podcast is but if you positive self-talk yourself into believing that you can do it perfectly that's the only way that you can achieve your greatness and the reason I kind of started to adapt that visualization process is because of my time in the in professional sports and during a professional game I'm only on the field for like four four plays and it's not like a major league baseball player where he can go out for four at bats. And if he gets two hits, he's an all-star and a hall of famer. If I go out there and get three out of four good punts, I'm fired. So I have to be able to not only finely tune my body to perform better than anybody else in the world. I also have to be able to finely tune my mind to be able to get into a, one of the most uncomfortable situations ever where I'm holding a football and I'm in the Super Bowl, and there's 72 million people watching me because I have the ball in my hand, and there's only one football during the game. They're watching me. What am I going to do? Am I going to crap the bed, or am I going to rise to the challenge and do what I'm capable of doing? And I think the way that you're able to get into a really uncomfortable situation is by visualizing it going perfect time after time after time after time. And that visualization doesn't happen 30 seconds before I go out there. It started happening when I was 14. I saw myself in the Super Bowl. I saw myself in the Olympics. I saw myself breaking world records when I was 14. You know, mm. I didn't break any world records. I broke a Super Bowl record, a couple NFL records. I won a Super Bowl. I never even went to the Olympics, but I saw it happen. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So when did you know um – so, quick, yeah. Tell me the story when you left the NFL, mm -hmm. when you knew it was like there was yeah, more. So there was um, more for you. It was 2015. Um, it was an off season. It was actually an odd off season for me because um, my kids started to get older, and so instead of putting them in school for six months in New York and then six months in Southern California, because I would I would spend my off seasons. In Southern California, it was warm and it aided my training. And plus, my family loved the weather, and I did too. So we'd spend our off seasons out here. But during that particular off season, my family was not with me, um, so I was flying back and forth, back and forth every weekend. So I would go work out with the team from Monday till Thursday, and then I would get on a red eye Thursday night and fly back to Southern California and spend all of Friday, all of Saturday, half of Sunday and then fly back to New York and do it all over again. I did that for eight weeks. And my daughter was born on a Saturday. And if I would have called my coach and told him, hey, I just had my daughter. Is it okay if I don't come to work on Monday just so, you know, I'm 3,000 miles away and I can help with my wife and be there, blah, blah, blah. I didn't ask that of my coach because – my coach is like my biggest hero, Tom Kaufman, the guy that impacted my life more than anybody else on every level you can think of. He was going to be there on Monday. I was going to be there on Monday. And so I 
caught a flight on s- my daughter was born at 7 p.m. on Saturday. Sunday morning at 11 a.m., my mother-in-law brought my children to the hospital to see their new baby sister. And so after my older children met our newest baby, I got on the next flight. So my flight was at like 1 o'clock p.m. on the West Coast, and I was flying to New York. And about 20 minutes outside of Newark, New Jersey, which is where we were landing, they were having a lot of um, weather issues. So we circled for like an hour and a half because we couldn't land because of wind conditions or something. And or actually, it was a really, really bad um, rainstorm, lightning, et cetera. So we actually were about to run out of gas. And so we flew to Dulles Airport in D.C. We landed and they were going to bring a bus to to bus everybody from D.C. back up to Newark. And we landed at like 1 a.m., 2 a.m. rolls around, there's no there's no bus. 3 a.m. rolls around, no bus. 4 a.m. rolls around, no bus, and it's a three-hour drive. I knew if I didn't leave at that exact moment, I was going to be late to work. I'm committed to the team. I rent a car. I'm driving up to New Jersey. I promise this story's almost over. Um, and I'm going, and I'm probably about 60 miles from the stadium, and it's been dry since I left D.C. So I've been driving for about two hours and going anywhere from 67 miles an hour to 74 miles an hour. Speed limit was 65 or 70. So I wasn't in a wicked rush because I'm going to get there at 7 o'clock. There's no traffic at 5 a.m. So I'm just cruising, and then all of this sudden, I hit a massive body of water because the drainage system on the New Jersey Turnpike had gotten clogged in that particular situation or that spot. And so there's like four or five inches of standing water on the New Jersey Turnpike. I'm in a Volkswagen Jetta. I hit it. I start hydroplaning. I smash into the middle um, concrete embankment, whatever you want to call that. Slam into that going 70 miles an hour after I hydroplaned like three times. I hit that. I pinballed back across three lanes of traffic to the guardrail and then bounced off of the guardrail back into the middle lane. And I'm like... I opened my eyes and I like touched my head and everything. I'm like, oh my God, I'm alive. And I get out of the car because I realize I'm in the middle of the highway. There's nobody on the road, but if somebody comes rolling around at 70 miles an hour and I'm literally, my lights aren't on because they're all busted and I'm sitting in the middle of the highway, I'm going to die. So I get to the side of the, the, the shoulder of the road and I'm not kidding you, Vin. 32 seconds later, a car hits the very same body of water, hydroplanes two or three times, and slams into my car at 70 miles an hour or faster. And I run over to that car, and it's this dude that's much bigger than I am, like 250 pounds, completely knocked out unconscious, blood pouring from his face, and I couldn't get into any of the doors. And then finally, I I hulk the, the back right door open, I reach in, try to revive, the, not revive him, but try to wake him up. He was unresponsive, but I knew if he stayed there, as long as I knew he his, his neck wasn't broken, which it wasn't broken. That's my professional opinion. <laughs> I unbuckled yeah. him, and I, like, pulled him through the middle console part, and this guy's huge. It was like a Nissan Altima. And then I pull him out of the back seat and get him to the uh, – and he's, like, starting to be awake. And, like, where am I? We get to the shoulder of the road, and um, – 
that whole experience to me and the reason I'm telling that story was retrospectively and when I say that like 30 minutes after it happened I'm looking at my car and I'm thinking to myself I should be dead because if it's not the the, the actual wreck that killed me it it should have knocked me out and if it would have knocked me out that guy would have killed me when he hit my car but it didn't and I always knew that I had a higher purpose than playing football. I always knew I had a higher purpose than anything athletically. But it was at that point that I realized I was going to such far extremes for my coach, for my team, that my team, my family, almost lost me. Hmm. So I was going to such extremes to be there for my team that I wasn't there for my team. Your home team. Right. And so I, I realized at that point that the, the currency that I was investing into my football career, which is my time, that's the most valuable currency we both have, I'm investing that into to football, but the return on that investment was purely financial. I mean, yeah, was it great making a couple million dollars a year to kick a football? Yeah. But you know what? I chose to to walk away from that because I had achieved everything within that industry that I wanted to. And if I continued to play another play after that happened, I knew that my, my motivation, my why wasn't mm. pure. It mm. was financially motivated. Wow, and man. I knew the time that I spent on the football field wasn't impacting people's lives. It wasn't changing people's lives, but I knew if I walked away from the game and and followed my my passion to impact other people, including the home team, aka my family. I knew it was impossible for me not to be fulfilled. Do you think that was a coincidence, or do you believe that there was divine intervention? It was it's a miracle that I'm alive, and it's also a miracle that I'm smart enough to realize that I was wasting my life playing pro sports. Hmm. And that's when you decided to wind down NFL football. It wasn't wind down. It was. It was. I'm done. You were done, uh, on, on the highway that day. Yeah, I never played another play. On that, wow. And thank you for sharing that story, man. Yeah. That that's really really powerful. And we, I mean, you're talking about some serious stuff. We literally are one heartbeat away from death. And I know there's a lot of people who have had near death experiences, but. Are there near-death experiences that you actually learned something from or, or grew from? You know, it's hard to say I, I grew from wrecking a rental car. Mm-hmm. I was a different person 30 minutes after that happened. It was a wake-up call. It was a serious wake-up call. I got hit by a car when I was 16 years old in a triathlon when triathlons were just getting started. That happens a lot. When, when I got hit, it never happened. It was like really, really rare. And what happened was I was going through an intersection. Because nobody's a triathlete in Canada. <laughs> it's too cold. <laughs> yeah. Well, we were going. <laughs> yeah, this was in a winter one. But uh, yeah, they got some crazy ones there. So so what happened? Anyways, long story short, I went through this intersection. There was supposed to be two cops on duty. And there was only one. So uh, I, I was going into the uh, transition area. A truck goes through. And I couldn't see a smaller truck on the other side. And as soon as this big truck uh, passed, the next thing I know, I'm lined up. And I got hit uh, by a car. Uh, it was actually a Ford truck, about 60 kilometers an hour. Ended up on the ground. Uh, same kind of reaction. I'm like, my life? And I actually stood Wait, up, you're grabbed like my bike. You're still there. I actually stood up. I picked up my bike to go finish the race. 
I still had 8K to run. <laughs> right. I just finished a 30K bike ride. I had to run 8K. A uh, funny thing, my mom was like a couple hundred feet down the road in the transition area with a camera, and she was filming the whole thing, but she dropped the camera the minute before I got hit by the no truck. No offense, but now that I'm hearing the story now, that would be a really cool video to watch. Yeah, I know. I said, Mom, you should have kept it going. That would have got me a lot of views today. <laughs> Spoken so, like a real YouTuber. Yeah, right? So uh, I get up, and next thing I know, I just collapse, surrounded by a lot of people. And um, again, long story short, I was in high school, wasn't living uh, the kind of life I wanted to, and that was a real wake-up call because I was like, I'm going to graduate this year. And I'm not. if I had gotten down that day, if I got taken home that day, I would not have I would not have been content with the way people would have remembered me up until that point in my life. And uh, I was the first item that night on the six o'clock news. And um, and I was up in my room kind of shaken up and my dad, you know, try to make light of the situation. At 11 o'clock on the 11 o'clock news, a few hours later, I was the second item on the uh, on the news. You know what the first item was? Somebody who had got killed. Mm. <laughs> my dad goes so like hey, the, in the race. Yeah, so, so oh you, you, got, you, you got to get killed to make the first item on the news. And, and my dad goes, if, hey, if you got killed, you would have made, uh, made the first item on the news two times in a row tonight. Right. And I was like, I could have got taken home tonight. And uh, I do believe that God only takes people home when he's done with them and they fulfilled their plans here on earth. But I hadn't felt that I'd done what I was meant to do. And that was my wake-up call that there was way more for me to do here on earth and um i love just to bring it back to you and you know i'm curious to know like what did this whole internet uh social media landscape like look did you see an opportunity when he came out of football to do this or did you stumble into no, that? I was, how did you get into it? i was really active on social media during my entire career um never with any type of when did you see that when did you see an opportunity for like you know, like, there's, hey, there's a business model here that I could create. You know, when did that kind of start to click for you? You think I could run a business with my social media? What's that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Is that what you think I'm doing right now? Yeah, I don't know about like a business, but, yeah, when did you start but I definitely saw the value in it. Yeah, yeah. Like from day one, and it wasn't to consume, maybe this is narcissistic. It wasn't, to me, social media wasn't a way for me to consume content from other people or check out their baby pictures you know they just had a kid or something it was to me it was never that it was like wait a minute so you're telling me I can make a video or I can take a picture and write a story underneath it and anybody in the world can see this as soon as I do it and I'm like what if what if I what if I go all in on this sharing all my entire journey and then, and then maybe I can impact people through that. And then I, I, I did that. I shared all the behind the scenes that I, I could while still maintaining my focus on, on performance. And I did that. And, and I think that's honestly, I think going all in on that when I did enabled me the confidence to pursue a life of impact mm -hmm. versus a life of income by continuing to play football. Now, I'm not saying I'm Mother Teresa and I only want to impact people and I don't want to support my own children. I need to do both. Sure. But it, it actually, or. the more money I make as an entrepreneur utilizing social media, 
actually gives me the ability to grow my reach to yeah. impact more people. Yeah. And it took me a little bit of a little bit of time evolving as an entrepreneur over the past 18 months because I haven't been doing this very long. It took me a while to realize that it's okay to ask people for money. You have to give them, and this is a commitment I made to myself, you have to give them 10 times what you ask. So if you're giving, if you're asking them to buy something for you from you for $50, it's got to be worth $500. You know what I mean? And that's a commitment I made to myself. And that's one of the reasons nobody asks, nobody ever asks for a refund because they're like, whoa. You've already given so much right. goodwill, et cetera. And you know, um, I don't know if this is the official definition of entrepreneur, but uh, you were an entrepreneur before you likely even knew it. You know why? Based yeah. on the definition of an, of entrepreneur, an entrepreneur is a value creator. That's okay. all an entrepreneur is. So you are creating massive, massive, creating massive amounts of value. And, and there is a transaction there. There is a currency exchange on social media every single time I post a picture or a video or do Instagram Live or Facebook Live because people are, are giving me their most valuable commodity and that's their time and their attention. I better, I better 10X that, that investment they make. So if they give me a minute of their life by watching a video I put on Instagram or Snapchat, I better make sure it's worth at least a, at least 600 yeah, seconds that, you of know, their life. That's one of the, there's not many guys that follow on social media. Uh, you're one of the very few guys that I do my best to stay in tune with, with your stories. And uh, you have my attention because um, when you speak, I can tell you care. You're speaking right into the camera and I can tell you don't just flick it on. You're, you're thinking about, okay, what am I going to teach in this little segment here? And I can tell you have an outcome, like a, a positive outcome, like a takeaway you want me to receive and that's a very powerful um that's very that's a, it's a great skill like it's something you've developed and you're getting better and better at it mm -hmm. and i think that's just a, a lesson for everybody listening do not take people's time and attention for granted yeah it doesn't matter who they are i mean a, a pro athlete a ceo or have you ever noticed a cashier at a gas station uh, she gave me 30 seconds i'm of her curious life. You, you don't have to talk about your numbers or anything like that but like you see you know your numbers so have you ever noticed like numbers start going down maybe if you kind of lose that focus of creating the value and it gets a little maybe off what they came in for to there's start only, you know, you know been, have you ever noticed anything? there's only like, been one time that i got away from from me on social media and it was during my move from new york to new jersey and it was also during the launch of my my second program i created which is armageddon the second amendment it's a 12-week arm training program that utilizes the benefits of, of occlusion training and my marketing process leading up to the launch was like everybody else's, mm. which is not my style, but mm. I just, I was so focused on helping my family move from New York to California. And my first program, Armageddon, was a massive success in relative to, to what I expected. It was a massive success, so I was like, I'm going to do my best to promote this before it launches. But I sold 10,000 copies of Armageddon, the, the first program. I'm going to get at least 10,000 people to get this one. But I didn't have that massive. It's still very, still did very good. But it, it didn't hold a candle to what the, the first one did because 
people could tell it wasn't a passion project for me. I'll never do that again. I'll never ask someone to give me money unless it's unless it's a product that I made because I'm passionate about it. That's beautiful. That's a powerful, powerful lesson. If you're not passionate about it, people can see it from a, they can smell it. It's like a skunk. Mm -hmm. It sprays everywhere. So, so the same way you're like, you know what? I like, you're just so easy to believe because I can look at you and tell that you're passionate about this. Conversely, yeah. I'm, I'm a transparent person and it's not by choice. Like we're in the mastermind an hour and a half ago. And I'm like telling a story about the struggles that I've had over the last two months. Dude, there's 10 dudes in the room. And I start crying. You know what I mean? I'm an emotional person. I'm a transparent person. You know whether or not I like you because mm. I'm transparent. I cannot hide it. It's great for my wife because she knows exactly how I feel. So if she's getting hugged and kissed and worshipped, she knows I'm happy because I can't fake it. I'll try, but she'll know when it's disingenuous. Um, but I think the same thing goes for, for social media, especially for me. People can feel my energy. You know, you can see it. You can smell it. But when I try to, to put on a mask to promote something, and I believe in the program. The program's amazing. Yep. But the marketing leading up to it was I disingenuous I, I because I was, yeah. I was absent-minded somewhere right. else. So let's uh, just transition. I got a few uh, rapid-fire questions for you in a moment here. We should get down <laughs> back to our mastermind downstairs. Uh, but so who helps you um, get back on track? Who, who's your outside eyes? Who's your, like, who's re-navigating you back on a straight and narrow? Um, my, my best friend. <laughs> it's like the oddest. It's like the most odd best friendship I've ever seen. She's five foot two. She's a single 37 year old Italian hairdresser. We have no business being friends. Um, but she was kind of similar to the, the gas station attendant. I just started talking to her. I, I moved to New Jersey. So I played three years for the Saints, one year for the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then I moved up to New York to play for the New York Jets. And the first day I got there, I needed to get my hair cut and I go into the salon. I sit down in the chair and she just happened to be the one that was cutting my hair. And she was asking, you know, the small talk that hairstylists do. And she asked me like, what do you do? I'm like, Oh, I'm, I'm in entertainment. Cause I don't like to tell people I play football. Cause then it kind of changes how they speak to you or talk to you. And I don't like football. So their next question is going to be like, football related question I'm like oh, I'm in entertainment because technically I entertain people um, so I think it went like four or five months of her being like well how you know how's work and she's like well where do you work exactly I'm like it's it's in the Meadowlands that's where our stadium is you know she put two and two together she's not a dummy but come to find out she goes after like my sixth haircut she goes you know I know that you play for the New York Jets and I'm like Oh, do you? And she goes, yeah, but like, I'm not going to talk to you about it because I can tell you don't want to talk about it. I'm like, and plus I don't like football or know anything about it. I go, really? Let's be, but, and I'm not kidding you. I don't remember saying this, but she said, I looked at her and I go, we're going to be best friends. And that was eight years ago, but she's the person that keeps me on track. Like she knows my values and she is like a really odd way of knowing how I'm doing like the same way you can tell like my my energy or my passion for something 
she can go like two or three more layers deep. It's 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 amazing, and I'm so thankful for it too. How about men in men in your life who do this have, have that account of who you look up to, who you don't want to disappoint, who you you're willing to, yo man, I need some input on this one because I, I'm in the corner here. The my my right hand in in my my business, and his name's Grant Ziak. He's a guy that I didn't connect with until 15 months ago, but it was it was like finding your brother after 34 years. You know, like we met and we worked out together and afterwards we both looked at each other and we were like, that was the most insane training session I have ever had. But it was like, it was two guys that won't let the other person go into a more uncomfortable state. And it was just, we pushed each other, but. Similar to you. I think that's amazing how you guys have that in the gym and in your business partnership. That's incredible. I don't 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 feel like I'm working ever. I don't know if I know anybody who's got that dynamic. That's, I guarantee that's you if really they cool. have it, they, they don't have a better person than I do. Grant is like one of the most amazing humans I've ever met. Man, that's so, so cool. Well, that's that's amazing. And Grant's an amazing guy. Until, yeah. until I was out of the NFL, you know? And so he, he played football at Ohio State, and so he had a football background also, but – I don't think we've ever had a football conversation in 15 months, like outside of a game where we might have played each other. You know what I mean? So he's your confidant. Me and Bedros just did an interview on the three types of people in, in your life, that three types of people that you, that come and go, uh, three types of people you need to find. Uh, and this was based on um, a YouTube video from Bishop T.D. Jakes, and he talks about uh, finding your confidant, finding your constituents, and finding your comrades. And he's a confidant for you. And if you just find, he talks about like having, if you just have one or two confidants in your life, you are so, so blessed. I've got two of them. Grant, I mean, my wife is one as well, but the longer we've been married and the more kids we have, the less time she has to like try to read me, you know? And so I've got Jackie. She doesn't have a husband or kids. Um, But the thing is, I think she's the confidant to a lot of people, you know? But I know that I'm her number one. You know, and, and that's special. And the same thing for Grant. Like, Grant doesn't have a wife or kids. Um, and so he's able to to read me a little bit more. Now, do you give him permission to speak into your life, or does he just know? I, I had to. He was so uncomfortable doing it because, and this is not to, it's not like I'm speaking poorly of him, but when we created our friendship, because you're an intimidating guy, you know, to cut you off. You, but like, yeah. I would be afraid to like. No, I get it. And I sometimes want to like reach out and just say something. I'm like, I don't know if he's gonna, if he wants to I hear didn't it. Realize that though, Vince. That's something that I realized one month ago, that I'm intimidating. I feel like that's a weight that guys like you, intimidating guys, carry because like people are afraid to kind of. But I feel like it's just because I'm big. Because like, if somebody spends thirty seconds, not even thirty seconds, like maybe fifteen seconds, because more than likely, if I'm introduced to you. Like, I'm not a handshaker. I'll hug you. And I don't care if you're the president of the United States. I've hugged the president. Actually, I've hugged two presidents. That might just be – I know, that's amazing. You told me that. That's crazy. Um, but, you know, that might just be a little lesson for some of the bigger guys, the physically bigger guys listening right now that, hey, you might need to give some other men in your life permission to speak into your life because they might want to tell you something, but they're afraid. Like, Grant wasn't afraid because of my physical stature or my presence. He was afraid because he didn't want to overstep boundaries, and so even even now, mm-hmm. like he'll 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 notice something, and and I know exactly 
when he's trying to do it because he'll take a tone of voice and be like, now listen, so, and as soon as he does that, I know that he's about to state a disclaimer and then tell me what he really wants me to tell him. And so, and now, as soon as he gets that tone of voice, I'm like, buddy, drop the disclaimer, give it to me raw. Because I know I make a lot of mistakes. Because I move fast and I want to achieve a lot. And so in order to do that, you're going to make mistakes. I don't, I don't sit and think for 10 minutes on what my next move is. I'm not a, I'm not a cerebral person. I'm an action guy. And when you're an action guy, you better get good at making apologies. Because a lot of the times when you're a compulsive action taker, you don't take the time required to weigh the pros and the cons of the decision that you're about to make. I just do it. I follow my heart. I follow my instincts. The majority of the time, I'm right. And I'm quick and I'm clean and I'm concise and I'm surgical. But there's quite a few times where I went all in and I was dead wrong. But I've, I've gotten really comfortable at admitting fault and, and taking people's advice and applying it. That's beautiful. All right, Steve, let's wrap up with eight rapid-fire questions. So we're going to go... Give it uh, to me. Yeah, rapid-fire style here. And uh, you told me that I could ask you anything. And uh, we're going to just go off the cuff here, okay? Um, you're my coach. What's one piece of advice you'd want to give Vince Del Monte? Grow your confidence. You're an amazing person. I need you to believe in you as much as everybody else does. Thank you. Uh, number two, what's one thing not going well in your life right now? Well, there's a lot of them. <laughs> we'll start with one. Um, we'll save the we'll rest. We'll start of with the most important. Sure. My marriage, it's not what I want it to be. I'm not the husband that I want to be, and I'm not the dad that I want to be. I'm not the dad that I like envisioned myself to be. Um, am I bad? No, but that's a relative term to me. I'm I'm not a good dad, but I know I am a good dad. I'm just trying to hold myself to a a higher degree than anybody else can. Because if I don't expect more out of myself, nobody else will. Thank you for being honest, man. I think that's every man shares that uh, every single day, and uh, you've got what it takes. You know what you need to do, and it's uh, you're gonna do it. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, man. Um, number three. In the past year, what's been one new habit or belief you've, abdo you've adopted, ad adopted that's helped in your personal, professional, or physical life? One new habit. Personal, professional. Or physical. It can be in any of those areas. Um, learning how to say no. What's one thing you've had to say no to that you were about to pull the trigger on and for whatever reason you had to say no? Just like an event like yours in San Diego. Like I want to be there for for a guy that I think is is impacting people on a on a special level. I wanted to be there to support you, but I had to be there to support my family. You know what I mean? So it's it's hard for me to say no when there's somebody out there crusading for something I believe in. But I got to keep the main thing the main thing. And I learned that from the conversation you and I had a long time it was 4 4 or 5 months ago. That was my takeaway from the time that we spent together last time was keep the main thing the main thing. What's the main thing? My, my family is, is number one. You know, I mean, I think that's uh, everything is, is under, under my faith. Mm -hmm. That goes without saying, but my family, for sure. What's one of the most worthwhile investments you've made in yourself recently? How much was it? 
therapy. That was an investment, a financial investment that I made to proactively evolve my relationship with my wife. Because I feel like I'm getting to know her all over again mm. because our entire relationship, I've been an athlete. And our entire relationship, what I need came before anybody else. And so she's needing, she's needing to reacclimate herself to me because I don't want her to feel like, oh, something's bothering me and it's a Saturday. Well, he's got a game tomorrow, so I, 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 can't, I can't ask him for his help or I can't tell him that he's doing this and it's bothering me because I don't want to affect, negatively affect his mentality going into a game. I need to – we're going to therapy so she can learn that that's okay now. Um, and I'm also needing to learn that I'm not a pro athlete anymore and – if my wife needs help with the kids and that means there's no way for me to work out on that particular day, the sun will still come up tomorrow. You know what I mean? Because that's my anchor. That's my only hobby is, is, is training and exercising, and that's, that's my outlet. And that's like my number one physical activity that I do in a day that, that makes me me. You know what's cool about us getting to know each other? I think this is probably one of the best things I feel – uh, of us knowing each other, having that commonality on wanting to grow success. You know, we, we want to make more money. We want to grow our businesses. We want to impact more people. We want all of that. But in the context of keeping our family the main thing. So if you ever start to uh, go you know, further ahead, but I start seeing the family wither, it's like that's no longer impressive to me. And now you know you're letting a guy down that looks up to you, and vice versa. It goes both. It goes both ways. And yeah. I think that's just to have men in your life that have those standards. It's like you're. It's, it's accountability, man. Yeah. But to be honest with you, I I've tried to to maintain the same projection on social media the entirety of the time that I've been on there. And what I mean is, I I try to keep it positive. If it's if it's not something that's going to help other people or inspire other people. I don't share it. Or if it's a comment somebody has on a picture, I'm going to be like so ignorantly kind to them that they're going to feel like a dick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like if they leave, like actually, you know what? Let me pull out my phone. And it was a post that I put up today. Um, I put up a picture of, you know, me on my laptop, um, but my arm looks gigantic. And so I put best caption wins. And I'm going to FaceTime the winner in one hour. And so I had like 500 comments. And one of the comments towards the bottom, I got to find it because there's quite a few of them. But one of the comments was, are you kidding me? FaceTime? I can't believe people even want to do this. So a guy took time out of his life. You won't find it because there's a bunch of them. Did you find it? Okay. So what did he say? Is there any, um, I, I'd have to scroll through. I just got the top ones here. Oh, you didn't see. You sorry, didn't sorry. I didn't find, so anyway, I, didn't I think one. long story short, if you can find it, great. Because I didn't reply to any of the other ones except for the guy that trolled me. Okay. But I was like really, really nice to him. Um, I see. You're, you're awesome at that. I, I watch how you engage with uh, some of the. But uh, you like eloquently reply to them. You do a great job. And be kind of 
kind, yeah. but I might stick a little jab in there too. Like, yeah, you is there any this, other questions I can ask her for you? are very good at using the emojis. Yeah. <laughs> you know how <laughs> My emoji oh, yeah. well, game is so Judging by strong. the numbers of comments, about 400 people. Is there any other questions I can answer? Or was, that, was your best, was that your best caption? Oh yeah. Or was that your best caption for your, for your information? When you go out of your way to leave a negative comment, putting down myself and other people who are having fun, enjoying life, that doesn't make you look cooler. It just reveals your low self-esteem and insecurities want to FaceTime and talk about it? Question mark. And he, <laughs> and he blew him a kiss. I, he used the emoji that has the kiss symbol. Or you, uh, you, oh, oh, and you got 50 likes on that one too. So, so I mean, people can uh, like my comment. Yeah, yeah, you got 50 likes on that one. So, so people are watching how you respond, and they liked how you uh, you, you jab back, but you didn't hit that hard. You just you know threw no, it. No, it's kind of like I, I was. Nothing. Nice to yeah, him about it, but I honestly I addressed the issue just though. A, just a little, but nudge. I guarantee you, after you, you read nudge. that, he either felt like a dick or he unfollowed me. Sure. But regardless, yeah. au revoir, bro. It, it's it's no big deal. I mean, uh, all right, let's wrap up. I just got two more quick questions here. Actually, three really quick ones. What do you do when you feel overwhelmed and unfocused? I'm not very good at that. I'm gonna be completely honest with you because I, as an entrepreneur. I feel overwhelmed a lot because I understand the more I learn, the more I learn I don't know. You know what I mean? So I'm I'm learning how to be a better entrepreneur, and that doesn't necessarily mean how to make more money. It means how to, like, build a team, how to be a leader, and how to do all these other things. And the more that I learn, the more I realize I don't know anything at all. Yeah, it's a lot of stuff that's So it's not overwhelming, the, but yeah. it's a, it's – it's another big challenge. Yeah. Uh, so number four, uh, what failure in business have you learned from the most? Anything recent? Yeah. Um, don't try to be everything to everyone. You know, be be the best you can be for for the people that are going to be impacted by the hard work that you put in to produce whatever it is you're using to serve them. We had an amazing conversation this morning without going too much off track here on emotional resilience. And, and that simply means that, you know, when somebody takes a jab at you, when somebody punches you, whether it's a hater, a troll, somebody, you know, it's really understanding that when you give that person your time and attention, you are now a victim of what our coach Bedros calls time theft or love theft because now you're giving attention to somebody who doesn't even have your best interests in mind and moving it away from people that do care about you and who want to hear from you and need you. And um, that, that one spoke to me when he talked about that. I yeah. was like, man, oh, man. So many good takeaways from, from the last two days. And last thing. So I'm curious. How do you set your day up for deep work and maximum productivity? I'm still working on that. You know, that's I would say my biggest struggle right now, Vince, is is creating my own schedule and then sticking to it because if you think about it my maturity level for schedule organization is probably about a 14 year old and the reason i'm like people might giggle when they hear that or whatnot but it makes sense because i'm i'm wondering like as an entrepreneur since retiring i'm like god i feel like i i I don't get enough stuff done during the day. Like I, I should have been able to do ABC, no problem. But I'm easily distracted because I have extreme ADHD in addition to wanting to be everything for everyone. 
and and the the number one reason that that I'm struggling to to be better at managing my time is I've had a babysitter since I was a freaking kid you know I've been an athlete my whole life so when I was in high school I was a good athlete and so people took care of you you'd have teachers that you know if you got a term paper in late they would let you hand it in a day late because you're playing four sports in high school and they you're doing great for the school and they just feel bad for you so I've had people let me slide on a few things and and then you go to college and your entire life is is laid out for you with an itinerary and then you go to the pros and the same thing goes there so I literally have had experts plan out my my life for the past 15 years and now I have to plan out my entire life and I'm like oh god yeah. you know <laughs> Dude, this was uh, one of my favorite interviews. Thank you so much. I appreciate it, man. Dude, uh, one of the things, man, I respect so much about you is that you're just real. You're real and you're raw. Thanks, man. And uh, you're, I love your courage to just admit where you're at in life. And I know that comes from a place of confidence. I know that you're able to say, uh, that you're able to admit your weaknesses because you're not defined by them. You know that by announcing them, you now have that accountability and you're be, you're going to be forced to rise up and to turn those weaknesses into your strengths because they're ultimately going to go back to what you've been teaching us this entire call that you need to become the best version of you and give yourself the attention you need to do that for yourself and your, for your family. So, dude, man, I respect you so much. I admire you and I believe your best days are ahead of you. And uh, thank you so much. Our best days. Our best days. We're just getting started. I appreciate it, brother. All right, man. Talk soon. Love this episode of the Vince Del Monte podcast? Then head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. And most importantly, it will help us spread the M5 mission to other men like us dedicated to maximizing and mastering the five M's of manhood. Thank you for listening, and we'll speak soon.